By the time you hear this episode of our podcast, I believe that the Respect for Marriage Act will have become law in America. And I want to take a minute out of our podcast to say this. It will pass the Senate by 62 to 37 with 12 Republicans uh, who joined all 50 Democrats signing this thing. Here's what's so special to me. I cried on the day eight years ago or whenever it was that the Supreme Court decided that my husband and I could get married and how wonderful. This means so much more to me than that did because this is when the people and their representatives of America have decided that they're past this. Obviously, they're not past this everywhere, but we've come such a long way. And while I thank all of the Democrats, of course, from the bottom of my heart, I want to take a full 20 seconds to say... Senator Susan Collins of Maine, Senator Rob Portman of Ohio, Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Senator Roy Blunt of Missouri, Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, Senator Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia, Senator Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming, Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Senator Mitt Romney of Utah, Senator Todd Young of Indiana, and Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa. You are my heroes because you have seen something that you didn't see before and you have been willing to embrace a change that touches me and my family so much. Thank you, guys. That is Baird, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Megan. Oh, it's going to be a snotty episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Daddy Square, the Gay Dads Podcast. I'm Jan. I'm Alex. Um, we're a little bit under the weather. Uh, very, very little bit. Yeah, but it's that kind of thing where when you press record on the machine, you suddenly just want to go, go, go. <laughs> um, so, yes, Alex, I think it's time. We have to just talk about this, the parent test. We it's in three days. Come out of the closet, are we? We already came out, but yeah. we're going to participate in the show with the parent test on ABC. It starts December 15th. The show is a reality show. It's about uh, 12 sets of parents. We're and given- we all intermarry with each other <laughs> from episode to episode. That's not what happens. It's we- ABC. <laughs> we were given uh, challenges to do with our kids. Yeah. And these challenges sparked discussions. And we're going to talk about how we deal with things and you know, all sorts of subjects. Yeah. And Alex and I are the gays. Well, we're not the only gays. Well, There's not one the other, other gays gay. in the show. There is one more, but, I, um, but I'm going to give I'm going to give the the show credit for this. What an incredibly diverse bunch of families they got. There are twelve families on this yes. show, and like you know, diversity in the ways that really, like all of the ways that matter, right? We think of diversity, we think about you know race and sexual orientation stuff like that, and they got that covered. But so many other forms of diversity where, you know, parents that just have different views on the world and come from different places. And I actually thought they did that part really, really well. I was very impressed by it. And we have this little WhatsApp group that we created with all of the other parents. And though we stopped shooting the show, what, like two months, three months ago now, we're still staying very much connected with each other. And that's really great. And hello to you guys if you're listening. (laughs) Uh, uh, One thing that I do want to mention is why we did the show. 
why um, we went on a reality show. And, and so not, can I? Yeah, I think it's very important for you guys, uh, those who've been uh, who've been listening to Daddy Squared uh, from the beginning, that you know, Alex and I are not the type of people who would go typically to uh, to do these kind of things. No. Um, however, I have to say that they came to us. I think the timing of the pitching when they when they came to us, be, they came to us because of the podcast, mm-hmm. and it was right after "Don't Say Gay." I was crushed by it. Um, and I was worried. And um, not m- many of you know, but I go to a group therapy every Thursday night. Everybody knows you go to group therapy. <laughs> I go to group therapy. So it's me with a bunch of other gay guys. And we were talking about this. And we were talking about haters. We kind of realized that, you know, haters are going to hate. And they're not open to even hear our side. They're not open to hear, to see uh, people like us. And the only way to get to them is through, we talked about mainstream and television and how shows like Modern Family change the world because this is come to their home. We're going to their home. They're going to watch shows with people when they see people like them. And when they see people like them and gays getting along, that might have an effect. A week after, we received that that call and it's kind of clicked, clicked for me. I say to myself, maybe it's, you know, message. I felt like it's a message for me to that I have to have to do this. I have a lot of I have I have a lot of emotions about this. I know. Obviously. Obviously we, because we, both, we know we because we know we are the gay dads we're going to they're going to show us everybody in America will see us as the gay dads and even though there's another gay man who's single us because we're two sitting there on the couch together we are the gays. And I was hoping and I was um I am still hoping that I made my community, my community of the gay community proud because we we were just showcasing who we are. Yeah, I mean, look, we've talked on this podcast for years now about this kind of responsibility that a lot of gay men have or feel that they have, and we certainly do feel, uh, to represent ourselves in a, a, a positive way that helps change the world. I think that's absolutely true. Will we have any effect at all by being on this show? I don't know, but uh, what I always used as an example was I, I, I have this image not not of a hater changing her or his mind. That's not the image that I have. The image that I have is the hater's mom who lives in, let's say, Michigan, and she watches TV, and she sees this show, and she says to herself, I can't do a Michigan accent. I wish I could. Um, but she says to herself, oh, they're nice. And that is, it's, it's, it's funny because I really believe that this desperate desire that, um, you know, communities that are uh, in trouble, like the gay community and the black community and, and <laughs> not a community, but women, which represent half of the world, uh, are experiencing, a lot of people have this desire to make a revolutionary change in the way people think about things. And I'd love that, of course, but I actually think that very often the way these changes happen is you make little inroads with people where they feel a little bit more comfortable and over time you change the world. And, you know, I think that that's happened my lifetime. I'm 55 years old right now and it is during my lifetime that I have seen America at least and and some other countries change dramatically but it has happened slowly because of little things here and there. If we are one of the tiny little things, 
then the craziness of making a television show uh, was, was worth, worth it. it. Yeah. Yes. My image, though, is that kid in Florida who thinks he can't be himself because all of the hate that he sees for people like us. I want him to know that he's not alone, that, you know, there is place for people like us and we can be happy. Yeah. You know, I was that kid and I didn't have that. I think about all of the kids who go to my kids' school, uh, who go to most of the public schools in Los Angeles. Nobody is being groomed to become gay. That's ridiculous. But can you imagine how wonderful it is that these little kids grow up in a classroom where uh, they are exposed to the idea that people are different in this way? And so if they happen to be, they don't have to feel the kind of trauma that we did. Um, I have great hope that Florida will change too, too. and everyone else. Uh, I think that the message that we want to bring out, even though, yes, we're gay men, and yes, we're the gay dads, but but we're also imperfect, and we're here to learn. And I'm I'm really hope that we're not going to get judged that that harshly. Well, other than from by the your- world and from our community, that's it's funny. Like to me, all I care about is I don't care about the haters. I care about the community of gay men. I want to feel like I represented them. Well, then why did you wear what you wore? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, and by, by the way, don't forget that your mother and my mother will certainly be judging us one way. Or the uh, other. That's been happening forever. <laughs> Daddy squared. Daddy squared. The gay dads podcast. Today we're going to talk about sibling rivalry uh, or competition and comparison between kids who are brothers and siblings. We're also going to touch uh, comparison and judgment of parents, which is apparently becoming so huge for us as we're doing this show. Um, our guest today, and I'm so excited for this, I'm kind of having a shiver a little bit. <laughs> it's Einat Natan, and this is me importing to America some good parenting stuff from Israel. Einat Natan is a parenting expert. Uh, she's a public speaker and a best-selling author. She's considered the number one parenting coach in Israel, and her best-selling book was translated to English and was released in America last year. It was picked by Amazon as one of the best parenting books for 2021. It's mm. called My Everything. Um, and Einat, it was revealed, will take over the hosting position at the Parentest Israel. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah, so one of the things that Einat Natan is going to be talking to us about is sibling rivalry. Um, <laughs> our twin seven-year-old uh, boys uh, have a little bit of that. Okay, they have a lot of that. Um, and it is uh, such a fascinating thing. It is not new to me. My brother uh, and I had uh, an epic amount of sibling rivalry. And at the ripe old age that both of us are today, we still do. Um, you know, it, it's such an interesting thing to watch because when they're outside in the world, they're incredibly supportive of one another. Uh, our kids are. But when they're alone, and especially when they're in front of the two of us, their parents, the rivalry is crazy. I mean, yeah. there is absolutely, they do not give each other an inch. I won't give you this. I won't compliment you about that. Because ultimately, it feels as if in the eyes of their parents, they must demonstrate that they are more worthy than their brother. It's yeah. amazing. So we talked to Annette about this, but I have to admit that before, we didn't use the term rivalry. We, told, we used the term competition. Okay. <laughs> and Einat was the one who kind of um, 
told us what the difference is between competition and rivalry and how we want to eliminate competition and keep the rivalry at least for now. So let's hear what she has to say right. and we're going to come back after the interview. Enough not talk. Thank you okay. so much for coming and uh, talking to us. You know, the way we're going to... Thank gonna... you for inviting me. It was so easy to get from the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a fan. I've, uh, I've talked about you on the podcast for a while now. And wow. it's been, I think... I'll just say that I swear to God that in Hebrew I sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> oh you know it's funny there's this line from the from the television show that modern, we always use modern family where when I oh have to God, switch to Hebrew yeah when I have to switch to Hebrew he says now who's the stupid one ah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, anyway so we're here today to talk about competition between brothers and in general and this subject is very like I'm puzzled about this because um I Our kids are twins and it's I think it's harder for people with How twins old? to even they're, they're almost, almost seven, seven. Um, wow. and I think that it's harder for people with for parents with twins to really give each one of them the the personality and and what they actually need um, mm-hmm. and we find we find that the competition is starting is such an early age even before they speak yeah um, and it goes even more To like I give a bunch of M M's a treat for everyone they they count the M M's that they get in order to make sure that everyone is equal so and I really I don't want that yeah. I it's so hard for me to see that um so I want like one of you competitive I think we're both I think we're both very competitive people in our way not with each other um, but uh, there's definitely competition. Um, my experience with our kids has been that it was just an automatic sense. Yeah, that- so, so here's my question. My question is that I understand that it's natural, but I want to discourage it as a parent. What, what would mm-hmm. you say about this? So I would begin by saying that competition is not necessarily natural. The rivalry is natural, okay? Yeah. Ah. Which means that our children, they're born to competition on mm-hmm. our attention, on our compliments, on our, just, just name it. And usually when, when you look at families where rivalry becomes a competition, mm-hmm. let's talk about the difference first. Okay. okay? When I'm talking about rivalry, I'm talking about this competition. field of practice that our children encounter in the sibling zone which we are not 100% aware of you know like there's a secret notebook that they take notes on what the other one is good at what they're good at and also what they're receiving from uh, everything no? okay think of everything think that uh, I, I didn't get to twins I'm just talking about brothers yeah yeah, yeah. Okay? we're all looking for this place of belonging this place of significance this place of attention uh, encouragement you know all the good stuff that that parents have to offer is now a commodity <laughs> yeah and 
the race for the commodity will manifest in many ways. Usually we see them fight, you know, we see dots on the long range of time. So we see one of them holding, I don't know, a ball and the other one comes and snatches the balls, the ball from his hand. And then we go, why did you do that? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You didn't care about the ball until a minute ago. Right. Are you bothered that he's having fun? So we are very edgy when it comes to every behavior that is not harmonic. Mm -hmm. Going back to the small uh, notebooks, the brothers will always see things that we don't see. For example, I will look at my brother and I will see him falling to sleep like in milliseconds. And I'm going to say, why does it take me so long? Mm, Yeah. And the next day, he's going to watch me, you know, inviting friends over and everyone wants to come and he's having a hard time. So their personal struggles and the rivalry fronting us gets, you know, everything is in the notebook. It sounds as if you're saying that it's going to go into the notebook. And that we can inflame the situation by being the the cameras in the in the rally. Right. What's the opposite of that that we do that lowers the pressure on the two of them? Amazing. So if we understand or accept that we know nothing. Oh yeah, no. We this is by the way a fundamental element of our podcast is a clear understanding that we know nothing. Please continue. (laughs) But we know nothing. You know, when you guys, I'm not going to give the example about you guys. When (laughs) me and my husband, Yuval, when we fight in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. okay? I don't know, it's the end of the day and he was in the supermarket. He was buying stuff. I was asking him to buy apples. He forgot to buy apples. He forgot me. That's my interpretation. <laughs> and the dish is in the sink. And I asked him to to take one of the kids and shower. And something, you know, just splits up and everything goes on flames. Now his mother will step in and will say, excuse me, he just didn't buy apples. What's the big deal? What she doesn't know is that I have this notebook of the last, I don't know, month half a year of me just being silent and eating all his BS. Oh, you can say it on this. uh... And now it's the apples. Yeah, yeah. That would be the first thing that I would want parents to know. If we step in in the name of justice, we're not doing justice. Mm. Not necessarily. You know, Mm. we're reacting to a specific scene that, we've just you know seen yeah so the first thing would say i don't want to judge you say to your kids or to us no i'm gonna say to myself i don't want to be judged because we're gonna have to bite our our tongue right yeah because we come in in the name of justice so we don't want to be the judges I'm just setting up the things for the you know practical tips okay I, i need parents to think Another thing is that we don't want to give our children this ideal state or fantasy that doesn't exist. 
that relationship has to be quiet, mm. perfect. Relationships are messy and they're all about communicating different needs, negotiating, explaining, getting hurt, making amends. By the way, do you know how kids make amends? Mm. They don't say sorry. Right, just, unless we force them to say they're sorry, which is a, yeah, it's a totally a, different it's podcast. another <laughs> subject yeah. that we need to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> So they how do they? Back, they just go back to play. Ah, yeah, that's true. It's like we're left with this mess. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. are we leaving behind? It's going to be someone's going to get killed. You know the biblical stories, uh, <laughs> and they're just you know they're back. Right. Yeah. When they're back, let's notice it. Let's get excited. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's shed light and attention there. Let's tell them what amazing brothers they are. Let's ask them how did you put behind? You know. Like three minutes ago, you were so angry because he wouldn't give up the ball. And you were so angry for him trying to snap it from your hands. And now you're, how did you figure this out? Mm. And give it time, you yeah. know, let them see that this is the place where they get the attention. The yeah. problem is that we are wired to see what's not working in a higher volume, because if they're getting along, fine, they should get along, right? Right. Yeah. We should stop and, you know, commend them or get excited. We have things to do. So they think by mistake that in order to get daddy and daddy involved or in order to get this energy of I'm being noticed, this is what they have to do. Right. So in other words, the 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 negative experience, the, the noise and the, the fighting with each other is going to get is going to get daddy and Abba into the room and uh, and that's what they're ultimately looking for anyway, uh, one or yeah, both of them. they want the judge. They want the cameras. Right, yeah, they want, because they call, they call us, yeah. But What's so they call? Now yeah. let me ask you a related question. So mm -hmm. that actually makes a lot of sense in terms of the gasoline that you pour on the fire or not. Exactly. But exactly. on the flip side, both in terms of their interactions with each other and in terms of the interactions that they will have with other people in the world, this mm -hmm. is a moment that seems at least teachable. It seems like, wow, well, now I could sit these kids down and say, let's talk about what happened here. Mm -hmm. Are you mm -hmm. suggesting that the problem is that that's not the right time to do it because they're a little cuckoo? I'm, su I'm suggesting that if you have in mind the one to blame or, uh, you know, the analysis of what happened here. And one of them will be sentenced for, you know, bad, you know, you're to blame, ask forgiveness or whatever. And the other one would be right. Mm. Then this is not the time. If we are curious enough, we can be this ambulance outside of the field we're not stepping in the field. We're getting the hurt ones. We are getting, oh. you know, everyone can come. And this is the second tip. When I hear, mommy, <laughs> I'm saying I'm in the kitchen, guys. Whomever needs me is welcome to come. They don't want to come. I'm talking about my children. Yeah. Your children are peacefully and quiet. <laughs> so 
her sister is hitting her like with a with a remote control of the TV. Okay? <laughs> yeah. And she's calling mommy, mom. And I'm saying, honey, you can come. I'm in the kitchen. Right. She keeps on sending there. Yeah. She wants you to see the scenario. What, she wants you to see what, the field. What? But I'm not coming. Yeah. So there's something going on there that we need to dissolve this bomb in a way that doesn't send one wrong and one right. Can you hear the competition? Can you hear the ideology of what is his, what is yours? You have to give back. You, we want them sharing, right? Yeah. Well, we do, but aren't, don't, aren't there other sort of moral issues that they have to absorb as well? Like the idea of property or the idea of, uh, you know, uh, so, so, so how do I want to have the the property or the privacy? Yeah. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll make room for uh, a drawer that everyone can put, you know, his personal things in the drawer. Right. And. This would be the things that we would all in the family, by the way, would have to ask if we want to open or use. And we will guard the drawer. We will help guard privacy. But the rest, we want to talk about it. Right. We want to negotiate. Because the secrets, you know, in the land of brothers and sisters and siblings is that it's not like any other relationship. Right. Do you have brothers and sisters? Yes. Yes. We both do. Were you fighting? Like all, all, all the time. Like you cannot imagine. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's important. I wanted to mention another thing that relates to what you're talking about or another question that I have. So uh, we have twins, and they are, they're the same age. They are not identical twins, and they are dramatically different in their capabilities and their interests. And one of the things that I find challenging is you want your children to perceive that you are treating both of them with equal amounts of love. But the problem is that if one child has an interest that is dramatically different than another— it's going to be perceived that during this period of time, you're giving more love and attention to this child. And during that period of time, you're giving more and love and attention to that child. How do you communicate or how do you, to the extent possible, cause these children to not end up feeling like one of them is preferred to the other? I love this question. And I, I would begin by telling you what I heard. By the way, both of you, you were talking about equal. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about the number of the M&Ms, right? Yeah. Which is also, you know, equal. So let's start with the end. I have five children and 24 hours a day. <laughs> and you work. I sleep five hours. And if you catch any one of my children in a corner and ask, who does mommy love best? Mm-hmm. They would all say me and they would all know that it's bullshit. What do you mean? The bullshit is that everyone in our family, we don't give equal. We parents have this amazing superpower. We know at every minute what each one of you needs, not wants. We don't promise the want thing. 
Right. We promise the need and we're going to prove it, but it's not going to be equal. Mm. Now, when they have a birthday, they are able to celebrate the other brother or sister's birthday, you know, with an open heart. They are able, you know, to write a note and to buy a gift and to give their blessing because they know that it's it's going to be their turn as well. Yeah. So if you look at it as our job is a, when we put the, try to imagine two plates that we set up for the, I don't know, dinner and we have uh, uh, meatballs or sh- uh, uh, pieces of, uh, uh, I don't know, schnitzel. I don't, we yeah. have vegetarians. I don't know. Just choose. Mm, okay. Cauliflower. <laughs> okay. And I'm standing, I'm the parent. They, they're in the back. I'm standing with these two plates and I'm seeing that this one has more than this one. And I'm moving one from <laughs> me too. <laughs> yes. This is the way to raise children that will always look mm. on their siblings plate unconsciously. Right. Because if we go to work, thinking everything needs to be equal, then when I say, I love you, I need to say, I love you. Mm. When I say, oh my God, this was such a smart sentence, I will hear, and I'm not smart, mommy. Right, yep. So humor is very good, by the way, because when I hear, when I, I'm not smart, I, I'm, I'm saying to tell you the truth, from the minute you were born, you were so stupid. Me and your father, we just wanted, we, we, we wanted to throw you away <laughs> and we're laughing and we're, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, because there's, there's two mistakes. One will be, of course you're smart. Come darling, I will hug you. And you know, the compensation yeah, or the guilt that we feel just like you said, recently I've been giving more attention. I've been getting excited over you know, this one's hobby, I neglected the other one. And they, they're like sponges. We don't need to say anything. Mm. So if we go out with this mindset of equality or, you know, measuring, it doesn't matter if it's schnitzels or love. If, if we go to work with this, it needs to be, you know, divided by two. And by the way, twins are so dangerous with it because they don't have, you know, if they would have like an older sister and a baby brother, they would look around them and they would say, mm, okay, mm, she didn't get anything. Uh, when there's just this seesaw yeah. of, you know, I, I see only one they're getting mixed signals about their significance, about their belonging, about who's on top. And and here comes the competition. This is where the competition is born because in a competition, there is only one winner. That's the difference between rivalry and competition. Do you know the, the method of, you know, getting them faster to the shower and saying, let's see who gets yeah. <laughs> shower first. You're, you know, you're listing out all of our best <laughs> parenting maneuvers here. We got to, 
we're going to have to erase the whole thing and start from scratch. Okay, so no, I don't, it's, it's creative, but let's change the paradigm. Okay, let's say kids raising dads, ah. not kids raising each other, because five minutes after the shower, you know, is act two. If he won in act one, yeah. now right is now. the revenge. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot so of sense. The mindset would be, I would give you the example of the complaint. Okay, so I'm serving these plates and they're not equal. Mm -hmm. And one of them is going to say, Mammy, I didn't. Do you see how much I like children? <laughs> <laughs> they deserve this. Go ahead. Totally. And he, one of them is going to say, Mommy, I didn't get you. He got this. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to look at him and I'm going to say, Honey, do you want more schnitzel? Just say, Why are you complaining? Why are you looking at someone else's plate? Why are you, you know, yeah. I told you yesterday that I, why do you always mm. have the, you never finish your schnitzel. All these speeches and, you know, check, check. Check, check. Now he's got this the attention. This is the, you know, the applause of the Oscar winning <laughs> goes to the neglected child with the one missing piece of <laughs> right. I want to talk briefly about giving up rivalry. And I give you an example. So when I was a, I'm, I'm the oldest of three, three kids. Um, as long as I can remember myself, I used to uh, love radio. So I was, I used to play that I'm a radio host, no, 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 all of that. My brother, my little brother, <laughs> my little brother saw that and he wanted in the game. And very early on, he became like this star child radio host. Um, all like on a national radio and he's like became a, a really good uh, radio. Yeah, all over Israel. And I, at one point, gave up radio and I said, okay, this is his. And I said to myself, okay, I don't want to be that anymore. And that stopped for me. Wow. Um, I see it sometimes with my kids' mm -hmm, plays. For sure. And it really breaks my heart because, listen, I don't hold anything towards my brother now because we're the best friends. But on the other hand, I feel like I've missed something and I don't want yeah. my kids to, to have that as well. So if you, do you have anything about, to say about that? Yeah, I think it's more on the page of imagine if the walls of your house could talk and tell the story of, you know, the unspoken rules. That would be the thing that when our children get older and they will sit on some therapy couch, they would say, Ah, uh, that's because there was a message that we need to excel or that's because we didn't speak about anything or there were secrets or my mom was anxious or depressed. You know, the things that we parents don't talk about, but they're parts of the air that our children breathe. So when we have this unspoken rule that we want, we want to raise, you know, 
excellent children. We want to raise winners. We want to raise the first place or the gold medal. So it sounds good because children are wired to give up their authenticity in order to follow these rules. And sometimes they mistranslate our comments or our good intentions for this is where you are banished from our social club. Mm-hmm. This, you, you know, won't be accepted or we expect more of you. So in a family where the parents would be, you know, you, you know, these houses, you step into a house and you know, the raising first metal. Yes. Show. Yes. Yeah. It's a little bit terrifying. It sounds good. But on the other side, we might see that one of the children won't ever, never step into the territory of the brother. Right. So this would be, I'm guessing, one of the prices that you paid as children. By the way, it will be very interesting to hear your brother's version, uh, because I would have guessed that he worshipped you. Yeah, that's what he, he says, that he, he was inspired, deeply, deeply inspired. Yeah, and you started, you know, playing with this. He didn't know it was your dream. And you both didn't know the terms and conditions that there is only one spot for mm, first yeah. place. Right. And this is our responsibility. Now, this responsibility does not manifest in speaking the words. It manifests in us, in how we communicate between us, rivalry or competition. It manifests in us being able to talk in front of them of failures, of not being perfect, mm. of struggles, of, you know, disarming this perfect, you know, know-it-all parent that is so far from what they feel right yeah it would be many things but it's it's not the rivalry mm. okay so i do parents, want yes i want to talk yeah. for a minute about parents and well i don't think we would call it necessarily parental rivalry but why not <laughs> one of the things that we've certainly spoken about on the podcast plenty of times and parents complain about all the time as well is judgment this notion of judgment of judging each other's skills as parents oh you would do that with your child you know how could you do x y and z uh, etc I think it's important for us to understand and to talk about, you know, where does this work in our society? What, what, how, how should parents be talking to each other and how should they not? I think that we should start by understanding where it comes from because we're social creatures. Mm-hmm. And by being social creatures, we're wired to look for our tribe, okay? Because long time ago, we had a tribe. And when we had a tribe, by the way, us women, we needed to give my baby for, you know, someone in the tribe to hold it. Ah, yeah. When I go and wash the laundry in the river. Right. And I would have to make a decision in a split millisecond if she's the one 
that would guard my baby or if she's the one that would leave my baby if something else happens. We are basically wired to judge who's in our club and who's not. And us women are so good at that, you know? <laughs> Oh, yeah. If she's breastfeeding, I'm thinking something. If she has a career and I'm a stay-at-home, I'm thinking something. If she has this Instagram, and it all, you know, lands on our basic insecurity first and or on our innate need for a group, mm. for empathy, for even, you know, the wise grandma or grandpa in the group that would, you know, look at the parent in the supermarket with a toddler having a tantrum and would say, she's developing nice. Good job. Right. So we're all, you know, yearning for that against judgment and judging ourselves. Yeah. And I think the minute that we can accept that it is all happening, you know, in, in, in between our ears, in the subjectivity of us interpreting who's for us and who's against us. And we can look or, you know, comment or not even notice like you, others judging or giving advice. And I think that young people, parents are so struggling with this i'm yeah. so happy for this question because all you need is one person you know that that you look just like in the tribe that you've seen their children you know they've done a good job mm -hmm. he's the one that you should ask for advice yeah the grandmother the aunt Facebook groups, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, eyebrows of neighbors, the teacher, whatever. Right. If I had a dollar, and I'm a parenting expert, guys, <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time that I heard behind my back people saying, Ugh, she's, look at her, <laughs> right. look at her. You know, just taking a kid, you know, from the from the playground because, you know, I, I gave a last notice and they didn't want to go. And I said, OK, I'll pick you up. Right. I know that it's frustrating. And I'm going with a screaming child and, you know, taking them out of swimming pools or whatever. Well, and part of the problem, right, is that context has to be very, very rich to be meaningful. If this person in the park uh, at the pool has never seen you before, doesn't know your child, hasn't experienced uh, the situation, then they're judging something based on a very, very small amount of information. Yeah, but it helps them feel superior. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. Well, we all want to help. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like... Let's put family and kids on the side. If we look at us, you know, having beers or going out or looking at people and having these discussions, let's admit it, of this pathetic one at work that always, you know, goes on and on about X or uh, this nervous person or this disgruntled that never sees, you know, light in anything. It's the way that humans can self-talk themselves, self 
soothe themselves yeah. and find this group, this community of people that they want or need to belong to. Mm. So just pick one, just pick one and, you know, let all the rest speak, say <sighs> whatever. That's amazing. Einat, I want to really thank you. I didn't know how much, when I was uh, going into parenting, I didn't know how much psychology I have to learn in order to really, I mean, it's like, an, to me, it's like an ongoing learning all the time. And this hour uh, with you yeah, was... Yeah, my uh, firstborn is almost 23, and Ooh. I can say the same. Wow. wow. And well, it's, it's such a comforting journey because we get to parent ourselves... Like back in time, yes, you know it's like a time machine, yeah, yes, i I tell you, I watch all the time, you know, uh I watch examples of my one of my children especially revisiting aspects of my childhood exactly, and when I see it happen, I say, I either am overjoyed about it or I'm so saddened by I'm like, oh no, you're gonna have to do this too, you know, mm. uh but uh yeah, it's true, it's there. And, and I'm in the experience of me getting it right as opposed to a specific parent a specific, <laughs> you know you know I, I'm 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 hugging myself as a child while I'm correcting the the, the, the stage for my children yeah, yeah. I I I think that we have to say a few sentences about this amazing gift. of having brothers and sisters yeah I knew I never had the experience of having a twin but it's this enormous force of never you know being alone yeah, yeah. of always having this partner yeah this soulmate this you know it's it's above words and you I think that it's 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 just like we don't talk about grief of siblings we don't speak enough of love of yeah. siblings well and not I'm gonna we, tell you that is um, I can assure you of something since it's not too late in Israel as soon as we hang up uh, this call with you I can guarantee you he's calling his brother and I'm <laughs> calling my brother call your siblings yeah yeah just All them and yeah. say oh my god I'm so blessed to have you in my life yeah. unconditionally and I can you know give you this hard time and you're the only person that knows me like yeah. since forever yeah that's true Wow um, <laughs> well we'll we'll end it on that what a powerful ending um, Anat I want to really thank you so much for for joining thank us you. today thank you so much for having me such an honor and time went yeah I know <laughs> yeah, very quickly like, yeah thank you Daddy Square, the Gay Dads podcast. We're back from the interview. I'm Jan. I'm, I'm Alex. Thank you, Inat Natan. And um, I have to tell you, Alex, that uh, this morning I was chatting with one of our listeners. Yes, I chat with him. Oh, they Scott never want to chat with me. <laughs> Scott from Los Angeles. And he told me that um, we chatted a little bit about uh, the la- previous episode. And I told him that we're about to record this one. And he said, oh, you know, 
I used to fight with my brother all the time. Like there was a huge rivalry between us and today we're the best of friends. And I think that I, ca I can't even relate more to more than that. Like it's like me and my brother, you, you have no idea how much we fought. Well, and, and now look at us. I, I, I mean, think that it's a mistake to say that sibling rivalry means that you're not the best of friends. Uh, my brother and I were the best of friends from the earliest days of my life, and yet we were at each other's throats until, well, just this morning, actually. <laughs> uh, so for my, I think for us it was a little bit different because I can tell you for... For a fact, we hated each other oh, as kids. Okay. Really did. I think that what made the difference is when we left the house. So when right. we left the house, we suddenly realized that we're each other's best friends. And yeah. um, that really changes everything. Well, I also think that there's a huge difference between um, children that are very, very close to each other in age, or twins in the case of our kids, and uh, people who, and kids who are not. You know, most of our listeners are uh, talking about a period of time or thinking about a period of time where their children are at home with them. Um, and that's why this discussion was really so valuable. Yeah. And I have to tell you guys that uh, it's already uh, changed since we did this this interview. The main thing that changed for me was the, you know, the plates and the food. We talked about that a lot. Like, I'm the one who counts the schnitzel pieces. So I don't count them anymore. Good news. <laughs> and if somebody gets more, it's always about, do you want more? In, in, and instead of, like, keep them away from looking at each other's plates. So... I love that. I feel so good about it's a myself. Good, it's I feel a good like metaphor <laughs> too. Yeah, yes. it is. Another thing that I really loved from the, the interview is about when we intervene between them and she says that it's a dot on a timeline and that we don't really, we see only the dot. We don't see the timeline. Right. And that's why it's really, uh, we have to bite our tongue and it's really hard. I tried that too. You know, we had uh, some friends over uh, the other day with their kids and uh, one of their kids got into kind of a fight with the other one and their response blew me away the mom said she said you guys have to go work this out and <laughs> yes. that was it and i was like wow that's it was amazing and i don't know whether they worked it out or not i think that the point is though that she did not go in and fix it and there is really something to be said for giving them sort of holding them responsible for working these things out between each other maybe i'll try that yeah. this afternoon and it's uh, it's not getting into their dramas that's what i noticed yeah. that they did lastly i want to talk about the judgment of parents since it's such a <laughs> It's going to be such a big issue for us, Alex. Um, and I, I assume it is for every parent. Like we're very, I think we're very sensitive to other people's comments and criticism and judgment, especially other parents. I mean, those of you who are not sure of ourselves really take this judgment much more uh, critically, no? Yeah, although I do think that there's another alternative, right? I, I think one of the areas where you and I are different is we're both incredibly unsure of ourselves, yes, but I don't have the level of expectation of myself that you do of yourself. So when somebody has something to say to me, very often my response, whether externally or internally in my own head is, oh yeah, well, I guess that's true. It's like, for some reason, it doesn't uh, destroy me the way that it seems to affect you uh, more easily. Well, criticism really hurts me, but sometimes I think that, you know, they think it's uh, it comes from good at the other side. Sometimes. Like it's not for bad. So they confuse advice and support. 
They think that the fact that they give us advice, they support us. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. You and I have had this discussion on and off the microphone for a very, very long time. You know, um, we have friends who will walk into our house, and from the moment they walk in until the moment they leave, they make little suggestions. Ooh, yes. suggestions. Ooh, you know <laughs> and what? it's not fun. Yeah, well, but yeah, but on the other hand, I look at that stuff and I say, sometimes there's suggestions. I look at them and I say, oh, God, yeah. We could just do that. Let's just do that. And that is support. Uh, you know, uh, taking the input of people with a lot of experience and doing with it what you want is, uh, is, is, can be valuable. I mean, sometimes they I give you ideas. I have to still work on that. I don't know. I, I understand. Me too. I'm not, I'm not pretending that I, you know, am uh, open to everybody's advice and, you know, just ask my mom. I don't listen to 99% of what she says, but... Nevertheless, you know, every now and then she'll get one out where I'll say, oh, yes, that's what I should be doing. Daddy, SQR.com. So up next is going to be the Men Having Babies Corner. What are we doing with Men Having Babies uh, this week? <laughs> Good question, Alex. So today we're going to talk about pr- twin pregnancy. And I think it's kind of uh, oh, yes. fits in with the, with the theme of our show. Yes. Uh, because, you know, there can be rivalry in the womb. In utero. That's right. <laughs> So um, Ron Puldayan, the executive director of Men Having Babies, is going to talk to us about twin pregnancy and what is the new approach in surrogacy uh, towards transferring two embryos, not one, but two. This is Men Having Babies Corner. Over the years, there always have been people who chose to transfer more than one embryo during their IVF. And indeed, you know, 20 years ago, and my husband and I uh, had our uh, IVF more than 20 years, uh, it was sometimes even common to transfer three or four or more because the technology wasn't so good. IVF has advanced so well. And what we currently do is we do, in fact, we use medical technology that is meant to overcome infertility with the most fertile parties, a surrogate and egg donor that have been optimized through their screening uh, so that they're very well suited for this. Therefore, uh, most medical professionals and most surrogates are very reluctant to transfer more than one embryo today because the only reason to do that is if you want to have twins. And a twin pregnancy is a high-risk pregnancy. It is high-risk for the surrogate and it is a high-risk for the prospective children. They tend to uh, be born prematurely uh, with a, a slew of potential long-term uh, implications. And that is not a risk that should be taken lightly, uh, especially not for a two-for, if you want to have two-for-one. Uh, indeed, there are other ways to plan your journey such that you can have the same surrogate sometimes help you with two, sometimes even subsequent or even two separate surrogates to help you with two subsequent journeys. And you can still save a lot of the costs by creating the embryos only once. However, as far as uh, transferring more than one embryo just for the purpose of optimizing a success of any sort, that's no longer necessary. For more information, go to menhavingbabies.org. Thank you, Ron Puldayan, and thank you, Men Having Babies. So um, I have a story uh, that I heard from Men Having Babies' uh, Instagram account about guys who asked for two surrogates in the same uh, city, 
and they found them. The, sur- the agency found two surrogates in the same city. Two, two. They didn't know each other. Right. They didn't transfer about a week apart, and they had delivery on the same day in the same hospital, in room ne- one next to each other. Are these, are they... One, are they? Four hours uh, difference in delivery, okay, for, for the gay dads, and the surrogates became best friends. Okay, I have a few questions. Isn't it about amazing? It. I have a few questions. First of all, are these people named Bezos? Because that's got to be a whole heck I mean, of a lot probably, of money. Listen, but don't forget that the whole process of the IVF was done together. Well, so that's like, true. Uh, the that's embryos true. and the retrieval, everything is together. So, And, and the um, second question I have is this. You, you said they gave birth how far apart? Four hours apart. Oh boy, I'm it, trying to think of. I I'm mean, like, I, I'm just. I'm. I don't know. To me, it's just. It made me feel good. I don't know. Like, oh, how it's you wonderful. Turn it of course. I mean, you know. <laughs> I want to talk about our new T-shirts. Oh, t-shirt oh we're doing. Oh my yes. God, guys, uh, listeners, our listeners, our wonderful <laughs> listeners, we are pushing merch. Okay, Go. you've seen. You've seen the dad bod T-shirts already. Yes, that's been established. It's yes. already as seen on the parent test, yes. right? Now we have uh, new T-shirts that I think it's a concept. Um, And the T-shirt says, teach your children to share. But share is, of course... Spelled as it should be. As it should be. C-H-E-R. Now, to me, it's a whole whole concept. I think that we live by that concept. Teaching your children Um, to share? Absolutely. Um, and And I think that us gay dads should embrace that concept as a... We should say share is a is a general yeah it's a concept. Well, I think it's like first all, of all, all of the things that we teach them that straight people usually don't, which is like you know the, our music, our culture, our Kylie Minogue, our share music, all of that. Um, it's joy. Oh, I don't listen, know how to say that. Listen, I have I had I grew up with share, and share is joy. Uh, she is she is joy, and and I think that she she brings a certain amount of um, wit and a little bit of an edge to her that is a kind of a gayish type of thing. But ultimately, you just can't go wrong with her. And we, uh, I certainly hope that my children grow up with an understanding of the shareness of life. Um, and I'm going to work hard to make it so. You can own one of these t-shirts. I can't believe we're doing this. I, I'm sorry. Look, what do you want? Um, you can own one of these t-shirts by going to daddysqr.com slash shop and uh, buying one of our t-shirts. It, of course, supports the show, which we appreciate. We don't do tote bags like NPR. We do share t-shirts and dad bod t-shirts. So by all means, come and get it. <laughs> also, a remi- also a reminder, seriously, hello at daddysqr.com is our email address. We like the old-fashioned, just send us an email um, because- Yeah, and you know, you know what? Wait, 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 wait. Stop the music. Oh, God. It's getting dramatic. Okay, yeah. here it is. Rob from Australia. Yes. Yesterday, I received an email from him. So, you know, I'm chatting with, with our listeners. Sorry, if you are writing to us, you're going to get a reply from me. That's that's a except, of course, for certain specific. <laughs> well, if it's a if it, if you don't, you know, if it's not a hate mail, yeah. usually I don't I don't respond to hate mail. <laughs> but this guy has sent me something, and I I, I don't know. I kind of uh, complained to him about like how I'm nervous about the show, the parent test, yeah. and everything. And he wrote me something so beautiful that today I'm I was like gulping do reading it, do it, it this read morning, it. and I'm gonna read one sentence out of it. Okay, yeah. Alex, I'm gonna read it to you. I totally get that it's raw and exposing, and maybe TV as a new medium has that effect. 
but what you do and how strongly you hold your values are such positive motivators. People are going to judge. It's 2022. But I can only guess that what you have portrayed in the show is the same caring nature that comes across in Daddy Squared. Oh, that's very sweet. I will say that the thing about our podcast that makes me very happy is that you edit it. Which means that we have a lot of control over, you know, the oopses that people sometimes have, not just stumbling over words. But you know what? We've said things on this show that we then realized, no, we don't want to be saying that. And we've removed them, you know. And uh, that's important because what we're trying to do here is connect with a community that we care so dearly about. And uh, we hope that the TV show ends up being okay. But, you know, our love lies here at Daddy Squared. <laughs> and until then, so we're going on a Christmas break, Alex. Okay, where are we going? <laughs> we're going to lie at home and <laughs> recover from this, whatever this is that we're yes. going through right now. Um, and we're going to come back in, uh, in January. To the Christians amongst you, Merry yes. Christmas. Uh, Merry, what is it? Merry Mariah. You don't need Mary. Just say Mariah Carey. It's a blessing by itself. Uh, to the Christmas uh, Christians amongst you, to the Jews, happy Hanukkah. Um, Kwanzaa's coming along at this time of the year, and I don't know what else there is, but for all of you, have a wonderful time, and we will see you in the new year. Take care, everybody. We love you. Bye. See you soon.